The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I'm the Senior Assistant Minister of Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister. Christ Universal Temple was founded in 1956 by the legendary Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman. Check us out when you're in our area or online at www.cutemple.org. That's www.cutemple.org. Dot org every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Central Standard Time for our live stream. Today's show is about lessons and truth. We're in the midst of a series uh, based upon H. Emily Cady's classic book, Lessons and Truth. As I stated before on previous shows, Lessons and Truth is the primary uh, textbook um, or the secondary textbook, rather, using the Universal Foundation for Better Living after the Bible. Uh, Reverend Coleman was trained and ordained by Unity, and when she was at Unity, Lessons and Truth was strongly emphasized. And when she started the church, she used to teach it for 30 weeks before you could take any other class. You could only miss two classes. So that's how important she thought the book was. So my intention with this book is to just pull people back to the basics of metaphysics and lessons of truth really does that it gives people an opportunity to work with the fundamental principles of truth the fundamental principles of practical christianity the fundamental principles of new thought now today's lesson is about faith and this is a very powerful chapter matter of fact as i was reviewing it last night it really stood out how strong of a writer she is I'm not going to obviously read the whole chapter to you, but I'm going to try to highlight some different points and then bring whatever insight the Holy Spirit has given to me to it. Now, she writes on page 72, and I'm reading from the Unity Classic Library Series uh, edition of Lessons in Truth, so your page numbers might be different, but it's the second page on faith. She states, in other words, faith Excuse me. She quotes the scripture, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Then she states, in other words, faith takes right hold of the substance of things desired 
and brings into the world of evidence the things that before were not seen. So that by itself is a pause moment. She says, faith takes right hold of the substance of things desired. That means in the invisible. And brings into the world of evidence things that before were not seen. So faith is the ability to take that which is in the invisible, unmanifested realm of life into the manifested form life or level of life. In other words, if we want to learn how to bring something from the invisible to the visible, we have to use faith. Then she quotes the Hebrew writer, who uh, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11, verse 3, where it states, what is seen was made from things that are not visible. And then she says, in some way, then, we understand that whatever we want in this surrounding invisible substance and faith, excuse me, in some way, then, we understand whatever we want is, is in this surrounding invisible substance. And faith is the power that can bring it out into actuality to us. So if we go back a couple of lessons, because remember, this is lessons in truth. So each lesson builds on the previous lesson. She talked about God being substance, uh, you know, the, the invisible, invisible mind essence that stands under all visible and invisible creation. In other words, God is that, 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 you know, well, I'm just going to use the term to make it make it plain for anybody to get God is that mind energy God is that uh is that primal energy the the and I don't mean energy in the sense of where man can measure energy like gravity or force or whatever I'm talking about the 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 uncauseless cause the the mind essence through which all things stand. So when we start talking about working with God as substance, Reverend Coleman would teach it this way, as I stated before, uh, the substance of God is like a great big piece of dough and your mind is like a cookie cutter and your mind cuts with images, cuts out of the substance, the image that you have in mind. So when we start talking about faith is the power that, actually brings this substance in the manifestation we have to look at it we don't have to but we could look at it this way in its unmanifested form it's nothing it's just potential just possibility it's unformed awareness when we start to put intention to it thought feeling belief spoken word what we're doing is forming and shaping the formless into form we're molding and shaping the formless into form. Now, then she goes on and starts to talk about how there's a people who discount faith because they intellectually don't believe that, you know, it's something that you uh, a person of high intellect should really be working with. And she starts to talk about blind faith. She says there is a blind faith on page 74 to be sure, but there's also an understanding faith. Blind faith is an instinctive trust in a power higher than ourselves. Understanding faith is based on immutable principle. So right now she draws a distinction. She draws a distinction between faith, 
as blind faith and faith as understanding faith. Now, blind faith being an instinct of trust means there's something in us that just knows that we should be in tune with a higher level of living. There's something within us that says that that we can live this healthy, happy, and prosperous life. There's something in us that says there is a way out, but I might not know how, but there's a way out. But we don't have an understanding of what it means to work it out. And it's an instinctive trust. It's just something we're born with, but it's not developed. It's just a trust and a power higher than ourselves. A lot of religions uh, teach blind faith. In other words, you don't have to understand it. Just believe. That's blind faith. Nothing wrong with blind faith. I'm just creating a distinction. Blind faith in and of itself can get you a long way. I know a lot of people who, just because they believed, had healings had breakthroughs, had financial um, overcomings, had families get back together, many things just off of blind faith. But she says there's a different way and a higher way. She calls it understanding faith. And she says understanding faith is based on immutable principle. She goes on to say faith does not depend on physical facts or on the evidence of the senses because it is born of intuition or the spirit of truth ever living at the center of our being. Now think about that. Faith, it does not depend on physical facts or the evidence of the senses. Now, why is this important? Because things can line up in front of you and you might start to believe There's no way out. There's no way around this. There's no way over it. There's no way under it. There's no way through it. But faith isn't dependent on physical facts because that's dependent on precedent. What has happened already. And faith creates new frontiers. So the faith thinker is not dependent on what the senses are saying and what the intellect is bringing. The faith thinker is coming from a place born of intuition, born of our own innate spiritual truth. Why? Because faith is a spiritual faculty. Faith and belief are not the same thing. Belief activates it, but it's not the same thing. Faith is, the again, the ability to say yes to God. Faith is the ability for me to say yes to my good. Faith is my ability to take, to to draw out of the invisible substance that which I desire. Faith is my ability to work with ideas. Faith is my perceiving power of mind linked with the power to shape substance. Faith, faith, faith. She goes on to say, its action is infinitely higher than that of reason. It is founded on truth. While, as you remember from a former lesson, reasoning or intellectual argument is founded on evidence of the senses and is not reliable. Now, let me just stop here for a moment. When she says not reliable, does not mean that facts aren't facts. Again, you know, what she's talking about, when you start looking at 
looking beyond and transcending what you might be humanly experiencing, you won't be able to transcend focused on your facts. Your mind has to be in a different space. That's why faith is also the perceiving power of the mind. To perceive means to see. It's like Abram, who in metaphysical Bible interpretation represents beginning faith. The Lord God took Abram up up on a high mountain and said, look, and as far as you can see from the north to the south to the east to the west, you can have faith, look, and as far as your faith can see, you can have. And, and, And that's your promised land, what you can see, what you can see. So she goes on to say, Intuition is the open end with within one's own being of the invisible channel ever connecting each individual with God. So she's talking about who you think you are as a human personality still has a way of being in contact with your spirituality through your intuition. So even if you're living completely in the intellect, there's something within you that's that functions intuitively. And that intuition gets you in contact with your spiritual faculties that allows you to work with things beyond where you might, what you might think is possible intellectually or physically. All right. Then she goes on to say, page 75, and this is beautiful. What is understanding faith? There are some things that God has so indissolubly joined together that it is impossible for even him to put them asunder. They are bound together by fixed immutable laws. If we have one of them, we must have the other. So what is she saying? She's starting her argument by saying that God has created what we would call immutable laws, fixed laws. In other words, they don't change. These unchangeable universal laws that work this this is basically how they work. If you if you work with them properly, you get said result. If you boil water in in a pot and it reaches two hundred and twelve, I mean, if you heat water in a pot and it reaches two hundred and twelve degrees, the water will boil. Why? Because that's the temperature that water needs to reach for it to boil. Okay, Uh, we talk about freezing. I live in Chicago, so we talk about freezing a lot here, being below freezing. So when the temperature gets below 32, the rain turns into snow, it turns into ice, etc. Why? Because water freezes at a certain level or moisture freezes at a certain level. It's just the way it works. Well, God has universal laws through which we function, you know, you know, we teach it basically one way and all these other laws are trying to explain the one basic concept, which is thoughts held in mind produce after their own kind, which is the law of mind action. And, you know, people take that and make it law of attraction and cause and effect and, and, you know, law of supply and law of forgiveness and law of all of this. But it's still when it's all said and done, thoughts held in mind produce after their own kind. We just explain it in different ways 
so you can get it. That's all. So she goes on to say this is illustrated by the laws of geometry. For instance, the sum of the angles of a triangle is equal to two triangles. No matter how large or small the triangle, no matter whether it is made on the mountaintop or leagues under the sea, if we are asked the sum of its angles, we can unhesitatingly answer without waiting an instant to count or to reckon this particular triangle that it is just two right angles. This is absolutely certain. It is certain even before the triangle is drawn by visible lines. We can know it beforehand because it is based on unchangeable laws, on truth or, rea- or reality of the thing. If it was true just as much before anyone recognized it as it is today, our knowing it or not knowing it does not change the truth. Now, she's setting up an argument. Whether you're aware of the universal laws or not doesn't mean that they're not true. Whether somebody discovers them now, discovers them 3,000 years from now, or discovered them in Jesus' day, or discovered them in ancient India with the Hindu religion 5,000 years ago. Our discovery of it does not make it true. Our discovery of it only means that we have a working working um, understanding of it. Gravity existed before people understood what gravity was. They just knew when you what went up went down. They didn't understand how it worked. The law of aerodynamics is, has always uh, existed, but until someone had an understanding of it, they couldn't transcend temporarily the laws of gravity. But the ability to do so was there. The law, the, the ability to float for a boat to to sit on a body of water and go from one destination to another has always existed. But it wasn't always understood. Therefore, people didn't benefit from it. Again, it's always the consciousness, but the ability to float or and the ability to fly has always been in existence. We just weren't not aware of it. Now, I'll pause here for a moment and remind you that this show is supported by your donations along with the rest of Unity Online Radio. So I encourage you to click the donate button on the website, support the show. I also uh, encourage you to take the link from this show and copy and paste it on your Facebook and your Twitter and your other social media sites. Why? We want to share this message with the world. If you've gotten something from it, maybe there's some people out there that might see it just because you posted it on your page and might say, hey, let me check that out. Maybe today, maybe it's the fifth time you do it, but it can make a difference in their lives. So make sure that you post it. I'm asking you to post it. You don't have to do anything, but I'm asking and encouraging you. Take the link, post this show, post Unity Online Radio on your social media website. You don't have to say anything other than post it and say, check this out. And the people who want it, they'll come get it. Because you might be the vessel or the channel through which God reaches a person by something simple like that. So uh, I'm going to give you this number to call in, and then we're going to take a quick break. If you want to call in and talk to me, call 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. If you have any questions or comments, give me a call. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms.
It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listener support to broadcast the messages of unity to an awakening world. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Now and then, life is challenging. I may not welcome challenge itself, but I welcome the opportunity to learn from whatever arises, to grow in understanding, to flex my spiritual muscles. Every day is a new day, a fresh start. No situation or circumstance can hold me back. My life is not only about what's happening to me, it's also what's happening through me. The Christ within is my source of unlimited wisdom and creativity. I do my best when I respond to any challenge from my Christ nature, rather than reacting impulsively from my human nature. Every day I pursue what enriches me, enjoying the journey to my goals as much as the destination. This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. Daily Word. Inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give Daily Word to yourself or a friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today online at dailyword.com. Oprah Winfrey says that Eric Butterworth's book, Discover the Power Within You, changed her perspective on life and religion. Maya Angelou quotes Emily Cady's Lessons in Truth as she recalls her own spiritual awakening. What do these books have in common? They are Unity Classics. Join Rev. Laura Beth Gilbreth, Minister of Unity Transformation, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic books. Each month, you'll be able to follow along and contribute your thoughts, questions, and ideas as we examine a different classic Unity book. From Charles and Myrtle Fillmore to Eric Butterworth, Emily Cady, and beyond, experience the foundational teachings of Unity. Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic books. Thursdays on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and this is Truth Transforms. We are going through the lesson on faith in the book Lessons and Truth today. And if you would like to talk to me or uh, you know, ask me a question or whatever, give me a call at 888-558-6489. 888-558-6489. I would love to hear from you. Now, getting back to the book, she goes on to say that on page 76, the mental and spiritual world or realms are governed by laws that are just as real and unfailing as the laws that govern the natural world. Certain conditions of mind are so connected with certain results that the two are inseparable. I want to stop right there. 
certain conditions of mind are so connected with certain results that the two are inseparable. In other words, when you have these certain type of mind, certain type of mindsets, when you have a certain type of consciousness, certain type of thoughts and feelings, there are conditions that consistently go with those type of thoughts and feelings. In other words, when we say thoughts held in mind produced after their own kind, we're simply stating that that your thought, your feeling, your word, your belief will manifest as conditions or experiences or she calls them results that are consistent with the parent thought. Now, why is this important? Because she's trying, basically trying to teach us that if we, through faith, understand this, that means that our job is to create certain conditions of mind that are preferable so we can have preferable experiences. So when I keep my mind on my good, when I keep my mind on it, prosperity and healing and wholeness that means that certain those certain results will what be connected to my certain states of mind because even the actions that we take are connected to certain states of mind people who are paralyzed by fear people who are anxious people who are, who make what we would call maybe bad decisions are all connected to certain states of mind or conditions of mind what we call the criminal who's out there doing things that to harm themselves and their environment has a certain type of mindset. And because they think a certain way, they have results that are consistent with their mindset or conditions of mind. So what we're saying is this, or what she's saying and what I'm saying is this. If you want permanent change in your experience, you have to have some permanent changes in mind. Now, if certain conditions of mind are so connected with certain results that the two are inseparable, then that means we have to become mental scientists when it comes to our thoughts, our feelings, our beliefs. Because maybe what I'm thinking is not producing what I desire. Now, why is that important? We can lie to ourselves, you know, just going to church or reading the book or whatever, and then we spend the rest of our time neg- thinking negatively, frustrated, anxious, angry, upset, uh, you know, don't want to go into the job, don't want to deal with the kids, don't want to deal with the significant other, mad at the, uh, the Republicans, mad at the Democrats, mad at the independents, mad at the government, mad at the mayor, mad, frustrated, upset, and that's the only thing that we're consistently thinking Guess what's happening? We're setting up certain results. You know, um, I was uh, uh, watching um, um, a show, one of those, you know, Dr. It might have been Dr. Phil, uh, about a lady who had an addictive personality, but her mind was consistently stuck on this guy. She couldn't pull her mind off of it. Now, she allowed her mind to snowball and get stuck. So, So for her, her mind was sort of like the OLPs where the 
needle would get stuck in a groove and it, the song wouldn't go any further and it would just repeat the same part of the song over and over again. We can allow our minds to get stuck in grooves and continue to produce the same type of results in our lives. What we want to know is if certain conditions of mind are connected with certain results, then I want to think certain ways that produce certain results. That's the key. We have to be intentional about it. Okay. She states in the book, again, on page 76, when we know something of these laws, we can know positively beforehand just what results will follow certain mental states. God, the one creative cause of all things, is spirit, invisible, as we have learned. God is the total of all good. There is no good you can desire in your life at its center is not God. God is the substance of all things, the real thing within every visible form of good. So now we have an understanding of law, and now we understand that God is the creative cause, and God is the sum total of the good. And every thing that I desire that's good is really based upon my understanding that my soul is really desiring to experience God in the form of uh, you know, prosperity in the form of health in the form of relationship, but it's still God. Then she goes on to say, God, the invisible sus- substance out of which all visible things are formed is all around us waiting to come forth into manifestation. So God as good is waiting on our mindsets, our proper conditions of mind to produce the good in our lives. In other words, I can never say God is the reason why I don't have something. It's always my consciousness. God is always good all the time, but God is not going to force good down your throat. It's here for us, available to us, but we have to what? Get our minds in alignment or in divine order with truth. She goes on to say, and this is beautiful, we're still talking about faith. The good substance of all about us is unlimited and is itself the supply of every demand that can be made, every need that exists in the visible or natural world. So regardless of what we think we need, the substance of God is the answer. And it's available to everyone at all times. Then she wrote something that I had to put a prescription mark when I, I learned from one of my teachers, uh, Reverend Evelyn Boyd, that when I when you run across something very important in a book, put the RX next to it. So this is a RX moment, a prescription for living is how she would say it. She stated, uh, H.M. Lee Katie states, one of the unerring truths in the universe is that every excuse me, is that there is already provided a lavish abundance for every human want. In other words, the supply of every good always awaits the demand. Another truth is that the demand must be made before the supply can come forth to fill it. Let's pause. I'm going to read that again. One of the unerring truths in the universe is that there is already provided a lavish abundance for every human want. In other words, The supply of every good always awaits the demand. Another truth is that the demand must be made before the supply can come forth to fill it. We're waiting on God to deliver it. 
and we haven't made a, de- a demand on the universe. I, I just want that to sink in. No demand, no supply. No demand, no supply. No demand, no supply. Now, I know there are spiritual teachers out there that say, well, you don't have to take no thought like Jesus said, and all you have to do is be and it'll show up. Now, that's at a certain level of consciousness because that consciousness in and of itself is a demand. That's what, that's where you don't have to be conscious of your demand. Now, if you're at that space, great. But for the majority of us, we have to be intentional with our prayer, intentional with our affirmations, intentional with our thoughts, intentional with our feelings, intentional with our words, intentional with our actions. No demand, no supply. God is pure possibility and potentiality. Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. But that does not mean that the Mercedes Benz will just come out of the heavens and fall in your driveway. You're just sitting there and all of a sudden you think just un- random good just is supposed to happen. It Now, what we call random good always has some universal law tied into it one way or another. We just don't know and don't understand how. But that's not my lesson for today. I'm talking about faith. So in faith, we demand. Now you say, how can you demand God? You de- you know, look at it this way. When you turn on your faucet, you're demanding water to come out the faucet because you believe that the water company supplies the water. Now, you pay for the water. That's your connection. That's your agreement. Okay. Our connection and agreement with God is God is the source of our being. God is the source of our supply. God is our inner wholeness. And that the the power of God, just like that water in the pipe, is there waiting for us to activate it. So through faith, we turn on the faucet. So are you staring at the faucet of life today and wondering why nothing is coming out of the faucet, but you haven't turned the knob through faith? You know, it's the process of working with and understanding the principle. Supply equals the demand. So in faith, I have to see it. Now, how do you create demand in faith? You have to see it. You have to call it forth. You know, as Paul says, having calling those things that be not as though they were to go back to the old King James version of the Hebrews 11 one faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. So as we work with the concept of, of faith realize yet again, and I'll read it. The supply of every good always awaits the demand. So she goes on to say, Faith takes hold of the substance of the thing hoped for and brings into evidence or visibility the things not seen. 
so so faith takes hold of that which is on the invisible and brings it into visibility. She goes on to say, what are usually what are usually called the promises of God are certain eternal, unchangeable truths that are true, whether they are found in the Bible or in the almanac. They are unvarying statements of truth that cannot be altered. So, so God's promises are God's eternal truths. So when we understand a principle is how we would say it in new thought, we work with the principle by realizing that if we understand a principle, we can pull or draw from the principle and it is inexhaustible. You, you can never run out of faith. It's a spiritual faculty. So your faith can draw on health. Health is unlimited. Peace is unlimited. Love is unlimited. We limited in our thinking. We limit the expression of love in our thinking, but love in itself is unlimited because God is love and God is unlimited. She goes on to say the Nazarene, that was one of the ways she spoke of Jesus, recognized the unchangeable truth that in the unseen, the supply of every want awaits demand. So she goes on to quote Jesus from John chapter 16, verse 24, action you will receive. She states, he knew that the instant we ask or desire for asking is desire expressed. We touch a secret spring which starts on its way towards us, on its way toward us, the good we want. So the demand creates the process through which that which you desire starts to come towards you and you start to come towards it. Reverend Coleman used to say it this way. It was an interesting way she stated it. She says, this is a paraphrase, not an exact quote, but this is the gist of it. That which you desire, you are. In other words, you want the love because you are love. You want peace because you are peace. Now, when she spoke of desire, she wasn't talking about what we would call human desires versus spiritual desires. She was speaking at it from the standpoint of H.M. Katie as being God, uh, the impulse of God tapping at the door of your soul. So when that impulse comes up, you you interpret it as a desire or a want in the material world. But because it's already within your soul and on, on the spiritual side of life, it is already done. But we have to connect with it spiritually. So what we do in faith is connect with that which is in the spiritual and we pull it into manifestation. So she goes on to say, asking and receiving are two ends of the same thing. We cannot have one without the other. So the moment we ask, we're already connected to receiving. But we that, that but we have to keep the faith to make sure that we bring it on home all the way to the end. Ninety five percent of pulling it in won't get you your manifestation. You have to pull it all the way in. She says, asking springs from desire to possess some good. What is desire? And here she states, desire in the heart is always God tapping at the door of your consciousness with his infinite supply, a supply that is forever useless unless there is a demand for it. I re- I'm going to repeat that. Desire in the heart is always God tapping at the door of your consciousness with his infinite supply. 
a supply that is forever useless unless there is a demand for it. That's another prescription moment. Rx is there. We have to put a demand. It's tapping at the door of our consciousness saying it's here for you. Scripture says it this way, differently. In the book of Revelations, it states, before, behold, excuse me, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens the door, I will come in and sup with him. Now, what does that mean? The door opens up on your side of the mind, not on the spiritual side. You have to let the spiritual consciousness in. So we have to work with that concept. So anyway, we have to take a quick last break. Um, again, I would like to hear from you. So give me a call at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. If you have any questions or comments, I would love to hear from you. We're going to take this last break and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Hi, my name is Lynn Twist. I'm the author of The Soul of Money. If you're struggling right now with a financial crisis, I recommend going to www.unityfm and listening to our course about the soul of money and how to handle this in a way that brings out the deep spirituality that's available at this time. You know, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. Join author Lynn Twist for the blessing of the financial crisis. You'll learn new techniques to use the current economic situation to redefine your relationship with money. It's available now for immediate download at unity.fm in the video download section. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Reverend Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. We have Gina from Dallas on the line. Hi, Gina. How you doing? 
Doing great. Thank you. Beautiful, beautiful. Do you have a question or a comment? I just wanted to comment on how appropriate to my life it was to hear the statement that the good desires are God knocking on our heart, uh, knocking on our hearts, and that uh, that that's God's good that's really waiting for us to to go out and get it, to to accept it. And I I find that so appropriate in my own life. There are good desires that I want, and sometimes it seems like something is getting in the way. But knowing that that's God's desire for me means that I can sit in stillness and know that whatever it is that seems like it's getting in the way is it, it, it's it's an it's it's an appearance, an illusion, I guess. Something this weighed upon God, and it will be there. So I appreciate so much you saying that this morning. You're welcome. I'm glad that you're um, listening to the show. Keep working with it. Do you have the book, Lessons in Truth? I have read it off and on, pieces of it. I don't know that I've been all the way through it, but I have definitely read pieces of it and been exposed to it through truth. Through the, well, truth. There goes my Freudian slip there. Through, <laughs> through church. So, <laughs> yes. So. Well, 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 my recommendation would be uh, pick it back up. And start to work with it. I know it's versions online. You know, you, you yes. can from from the comfort of your own home or your smartphone. You could just read. It. I have it. Yeah, I have yeah. the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just work with, it, even if it's just fifteen minutes a day. Just say, you know what? I'm just going to read it because what I've discovered in reading the book, and the reason why I'm doing it now is, I realize that every time I read it, I get something new out of it. It, the book has so much substance in it that sometimes how oh, I've read that already, or, you know, that was when I first came in a new thought or whatever, but uh-huh. it, it is, it is power packed. And, and you, and, you know, you could be Michael Jordan, but your fundamentals never go away. You right. know, you know, I, I tell people all the time, you know, there's been many people who've come and go who said they were the next Michael Jordan or the next whoever, but the difference between them and a lot of player, him and a lot of other players was he was the best practice player in the world. Yeah. So, so when you're doing your study work, you're putting in the practice so you can stay sharp. Because when you get on the court of life, those appearances can look pretty big. They can look like yes. Shaq, you know, yes. uh, a team do. full and of Shaqs. So, yes. so what you want to do is be able to make sure that you know what you're doing all the time. And you know the game plan and you know the principles and you know the laws. Because, when you, because look at life like a game. When you know the rules of the game, you can succeed. When you don't know the rule, you're just out there doing everything because you don't know what you should be doing. Yeah. So remind, so continually remind yourself and pull yourself back. Not that you don't know, but always keep, keep, you know, keep your, you know, as Abraham Lincoln would say, keep your axe sharp. If you, if he had t- uh, ten hours to cut a tree, he would spend nine hours cutting his axe. I mean, sharpening his axe. Really? So, yeah. Well, it's something like that. That's the gist of it. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So keep keep that axe sharp. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. God bless. God bless you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, so as we go forward, she, uh, HMD Katie goes on to say, with, with God, the desire to give and giving are one and the same. Someone has said desire for anything is the thing itself in incipiency. That is, the thing you desire is not only for you but has already been started toward you out of the heart of God it is the first approach of the thing itself striking you that makes you desire it or even think of it 
at all. So the fact that you des- desire it is the beginning of it coming to you. Let them mean you have it yet. It's just the beginning of it. You know, that's the revelation. You still have to have a realization of of the revelation for there to be a manifestation. The book goes on to say, page 79, and I love this. This is another one of those quotes I love. She says, the only way God has of letting us know of his infinite supply and his desire is to make it our, excuse me, and his desire to make it ours is for him to push gently on the divine spark living within each one of us. So, in other words, the good that that God is seeking to express individually through all of us um, is so important to the the grand scheme of things that God gently just pushes on us to say, hey, this good is for you. You know, we develop what one writer called divine discontent. In other words, you just know that it's supposed to be better than this. And you can have all your ducks lined up. You can have the good job. You can have the uh, the things that the outwardly the world says you're supposed to have, but something in your soul says it's supposed to be more to this. It's more to life than this. And you seek that. Okay. Then she states on the bottom of the page. Remember this desire in the heart for anything is God's sure promise sent beforehand to indicate that it is yours already in the limitless realm of supply and whatever you want, you can have for the taking. Taking is simply recognizing the law of supply and demand. So when you're taking what is rightfully yours, you're not taking it. You're just accepting it. Some people are good givers, but not necessarily good receivers. They'll give you the shirt off their backs, but won't even accept a compliment. But that's a part of the faith because as you bring it into the visible from the visible into the invisible to the visible. You have to be open and receptive to how that might work in your space. You know, I tell people all the time, um, you know, you, you pray for prosperity and then you go out with your family or a friend who says, hey, lunch is on me today. And then we're like, oh, no, I can't let you do that. Well, you just prayed for prosperity and then somebody wants to give you treat you to lunch. Now, if you can't accept lunch, how can you accept millions? Now, I'm not talking about people trying to take advantage of you or manipulate you with money. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm talking about somebody's sincere um, desire to give because they're working the law, too. They're giving to receive. And you're on the opposite end of that. You might be receiving for something else you gave. And when you stop the flow, what ends up happening is you block your own blessings. All right. So she goes on to say, affirm your possession of the good that you desire. Have faith in it because you are working with divine law and cannot fail. Do not be argued argued off your basic principle by anyone. And sooner will the heavens fall than you fail to get that which you desire. Hmm. She then quotes Jesus in Mark eleven twenty four. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So Jesus is saying when you pray for something, you pray that it's yours already. Don't miss that. When you pray for something, pray that it's yours already. Then it'll be yours. You don't pray to get. You have to pray to be. I know that, you know, broken English. You don't have to pray. You don't pray to get. You have to pray to be. In other words, you're praying as if it is a present state of being. 
I am health. You don't pray, God, make me healthy. You affirm that which is spiritually. That's faith. She goes on to say, knowing the law of abundant supply and that and the truth that supply always precedes the demand. Demand simply being the call that brings the supply into sight, knowing that all desire in the heart for any good is really God's desire in us and for us. How shall we obtain the fulfillment of every desire and that right and that right speedily? So she says, take right hold of God with unwavering faith. Begin and continue to rejoice and thank him that you have not will have the desires of your heart. Never losing sight of the fact that the desire is the thing itself and in sympathy. If the good were not already yours in the invisible realm of supply, you could not by any possibility desire it. Let me repeat that again. If the good were not already yours in the invisible realm of supply, you could not by any possibility desire it. Now, we're not talking about a person necessarily saying, well, that you know, because she even said that saying you want your neighbor's wife is not your good. What you want are the qualities that that person is exhibiting, possibly. But you can't have what's not yours by right of consciousness. Let me just be clear on that. Because some people read this and all of a sudden think that they're supposed to, you know, Denzel Washington is going to leave his wife and be with them. Or well, silliness like that, uh, fanatical uh, behavior. That's not what this means. When we're talking about from this standpoint is always working with the ideas, not the form, you know, so how the idea of transportation can show up could be a skateboard or a Bentley. The ideas get you from one place to another. Uh, the idea idea of a job can show up as, um, you know, McDonald's teller or president of the United States. They're both jobs technically show up different based upon level of consciousness. So. I'm going to end with this statement. She says, affirm that there's for you a rightful and an overflowing supply and claim its manifestation. Again, affirm that there's for you a rightful and overflowing supply and claim its manifestation. She's teaching in this chapter how do you work with your faith and how faith works with desire. My suggestion would be if you don't have the book, this book is, you know, you can get this book online. I'm, it's even free websites that have it or go buy a version if you want to do that for a physical version. The main thing is this. Read the chapter. Just don't listen to the show. I'm bringing insight to it, but I'm bringing insight to the material. As you listen to the show and as you read the book, God will give you what you need in your life. I can, you know, because I can give what God is channeling through me or expressing through me is a better term. But you have your own indwelling Christ nature. Listen to it. Get in contact with it and it'll do the work. Uh, it's time to wrap it up now. We've had a great, great show. Next week, we will cover the chapter uh, called Definition of Terms, Chemicalization, Personality, and Individuality. God bless you, and I'll be back with you next week with Truth Transforms.
Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. Have you ever considered that everything you think and say is a prayer to the universe? Are you sending a positive or negative message? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. If you are able to safely turn your attention away from the demands of your activities, quiet your mind and affirm. There is a divine plan at work in my life. I now relax, let go, and let it unfold. Listen attentively, inwardly, without projecting any thoughts about what you think should happen or be experienced. Become as a child, trusting and receptive to the guidance of spirit within. This meditative moment, adapted from Mary Cupferly's God Will See You Through, is brought to you by Unity. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. 
On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.